everyone to episode 115 of the Bowcast Podcast. I'm host Caleb Payne, joined by my co-host Anacor and our special guest of the week, and one that I'm very excited to have. It's Axon, also known as the world champion of Pokemon Go for this year and a very accomplished battler. How you doing, Axon? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Good, good. Uh, I think Anacor's still in Japan right now, so I think he... Uh, I am still in Japan, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bro, yeah. I climbed Mount Fuji last week, yeah? Literally right after we recorded last week's episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me just say, that was, that was an interesting... Was uh, yeah. <laughs> Bro, you, you know what? The ascent was fine, yeah? The ascent was fine. It was like just climbing up, not stairs, but, you know, essentially just climbing upstairs, yeah? yeah? Bro, I don't know what they were thinking when they did the descent because they were just like, okay, well, everyone's already up, yeah? There's no yeah. stairs on the way down. It's literally just, imagine a ski slope, yeah? And just <laughs> loads of sand, loads of gravel. People are like, you know, losing their balance, like falling over. You've got some people running down. Mm-hmm. Bruv. And you didn't film this? That would be prime content. F- film, film how? Like... F- fighting I mean? for your life <laughs> bro bro that was a good three hours of me fighting for my life yeah I'm, I'm not gonna lie at one point i was like <laughs> okay i know people return from this mountain right so i know people go up and actually come back down because obviously you know people would be like oh yeah yeah Fiji, yeah but there was one point where i was like yeah but do they really because I've been going down this same hill for about three hours, yeah. <laughs> there's no exit. There's no signs. Anyway, I'm here, though. I, wow. I, can, I can confirm. All this you while the GBL update dropped, too, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. I was so close to doing podcasts on the top of Fuji, um, which would have been quite entertaining. But, yeah. Yeah, under climb down, too, for three hours. Yeah. But um, GBL update. Well, yeah. Yeah, GBL updated. Uh, we're also happy that you're live, Anacor, because I can only replace my co-host so often in one year. So um, here we have that. But let's get a little bit into Axum first before we go into the update. Um, for those that don't know, I feel like everyone that listens to our podcast do know you. But for some reason, if people don't know, uh, give us a little brief introduction of you and kind of your journey into Pokemon. All right, yeah, um, I'm Itaxon. I recently won Worlds in Japan uh, last month. Um, I actually only started doing uh, PvP in Pokemon Go when GBL first started. I didn't start back in the Sylph days. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I've played Pokemon Go for about five years now consistently. Um, but, yeah, ever since Play Pokemon started, I've been constantly competing at the tournaments. Um, my very first tournament was Indianapolis. Uh, I got fifth place there. Then I ended up winning NAIC a month later which got me my invite to Japan last year, or not to Japan, to Worlds in London last year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just kept on playing. I got my invite again this year to Japan, and I ended up winning the whole thing. So that's my story, I guess, in a nutshell. So you, uh, last year's regionals, or last season's regionals, you only competed once, right? And then NAIC, and that's it? Yep. Oh, wow, okay. Okay, that was, that was less than I, for some reason, thought, too. Uh, yeah, I mean, so it was many the shorter cuts, season, but... right? So... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Just uh, compete once beforehand and just win it all afterward. But yep. um, were you a big Pokemon fan like growing up and stuff, or was kind of like Pokemon Go like one of your like first kind of games diving into the franchise? Yeah, um, my first game I ever played was actually Pokemon Sapphire. Um, okay. and ever since then, I basically got the games right when they released. So I'm a big Pokemon fan. 
Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, and... You said that. So I just want to say, you, you said yeah, that you've been playing consistently for five years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so does that mean like you you didn't actually start in 2016 or like you? Didn't oh, I started really in 2016. Play... I just stopped for like I, I played the first like two or three months and it got kind of boring. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mom actually got me back into the game when oh, like really? Groudon and Kyogre were in raids in 2018 or something. Um, and ever since then, I kind of just stuck with it. Nice, nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think after the first few months, it it did kind of drop off for a little bit too. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just stubborn, just stuck with it. Um, but that's really cool. So what, uh, I guess for our context, what got you into PvP? I, I'm like, my guess is, was there, did you know Sylph was hosting tournaments back then? Or you did, but just wasn't interested? Or you kind of just found out about PvP through GPL? Like, I knew about PvP and stuff. I just wasn't really that interested because there weren't any in-game rewards. Uh, mm-hmm. And also my local PvP scene were, like, it's non-existent here. Um, so I actually, like, when I first saw that you got a pose and stuff for getting legend rank in, uh, season one, I was like, oh, I gotta try this. I want to flex on my locals and stuff. Yeah. So it wasn't the most humble starts to PVP. I just wanted to flex on people. Uh Um, (laughs) but then, you know, I, I actually didn't play in season two, but I, Mm -hmm. I picked it back up in season three and I've got legend ever since, um, been a chronic leaderboarder pretty much every season, um. So yeah, that's that's how I first started off PvP at least. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, well, speaking of you going in for the pose, now you have the most coveted pose of all time too. So I think uh, even if you were retired today, you it's it's going to be a hard one to top. So uh, that's pretty awesome. So I, I guess a lot of people listening to this podcast might be thinking, uh, you know, Axe is not one of those people that started back in the Silver Days, like right off of like day one of PP, but he still got really good really quickly. What kind of got you to the point you're at? Because, well, also, I mean, you definitely are a grinder in a sense, because especially if you take in fact, uh, taking account that you took a break, you still have a crazy amount of catches, right? So you like when you got back in game, you mostly just went pretty hard into it, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't think like, I'm a really big grinder, but it's just that I catch consistently every day and stuff, so mm-hmm. I don't really take a break from the game too much. I have a pretty good place to play, um, so mm-hmm. I'm definitely a bigger grinder than a lot of PvP players. Like some of the people that qualified for Worlds, they're not level 50; they might not even have a hundred thousand Pokemon caught, right? Mm-hmm. So a whole bunch of different players, like and playstyles, can definitely uh, compete at Worlds or like get to that level. I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so when you started GBL and stuff, like what? What did what do you like? What resources you even tap into to get to where you're at? Because I assume when you start off, you're like, well, I don't, I don't really know what to use, right? Yeah, um, like back then, like especially back when I was preparing to actually get into play Pokemon, you know, mm-hmm. I, I kept on hearing that if you don't do self, right, you probably don't have a chance at these tournaments. Just because, I mean, back in the day, that was kind of the I think more respected format. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was kind of nervous going in because I didn't have any of that experience. So I just kind of honed my skills in GBL. I uh, made sure that I watched every streamer I could, uh, learned all my counts, all my uh, movesets. Obviously, since I played all the regular games, I knew all my typings and stuff going mm-hmm. in. So that's another pretty big thing that you need to know. Um, but yeah, I was just getting more and more confident in my actual ability just by playing the game as much as I could. So did you do any show six at all before? Not before Indianapolis. Indianapolis. Oh, so that was um, your first, you just went straight in and was like, here's my yep. six. And, oh, that's wild. And, I actually joined a faction like right that week, and so I had like maybe three or four weeks of like faction practice before NAIC, but that's like literally all I had for show six. Yeah, 
That's incredible. That's incredible. Would you personally um, say that um, your like your expertise in like the mechanics and GBL and stuff like that were um, maybe more important when getting onto the play Pokemon scene, or do you feel like you actually then had to get some Show Six experience in addition to you know keep up with the rest of the field? You know, honestly, half the time I still don't know what I'm doing with show six. Like, I just kind of choose three Pokemon and go with it just off of, like, intuition and stuff, right? So, um, you know, there's not a lot of logic that I have there. It's really just about mechanics and stuff when you get into the battle. Just make sure you don't build a team that's, like, really weak to anything your opponent has. And just, you know, once you're locked in, the whole show six part doesn't really matter. You're just playing, like, a GBL battle that you kind of know what your opponent might have. So I guess for those... People that might be listening, I'm sure a lot of people listening have only done GPL. They haven't done Show Six, and you just went into Indianapolis with just no Show Six experience. Like, how do you even go about, like, how do you even build your first team? Right, go into because instead of just a team of three, you had to build a team of six. Um, and I think your team was pretty similar to what you ran at NAIC and Worlds, outside of a Swamper yes. instead of a Diggersby, right? Yep. Which was the first one you brought? Yeah. Yeah, I used to love Diggersby, so I was like, you know, I'm going to bring it to this tournament, and then I didn't bring it to, like, a single battle. And I was like, well, <laughs> yeah. I'll just use a better ground type there. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, with team building, a lot of it really comes down to just using the Pokemon I like to use. I think there's mm -hmm. a lot of teams that can work. Like, we saw at Worlds uh, this year, my team and Rubik's Master, we both had completely different teams of six, right? Mm -hmm. So it's really just bringing Pokemon that you're comfortable with and, like, maybe bring four or five of your comfort picks and a sixth Pokemon that just rounds it out. Um, and I don't know. I use PV Poke a lot. I think everyone who's going to be serious about going into uh, you know, these tournaments and stuff, go into PV Poke Team Builder. It really helps uh, expose any sort of weaknesses to your team. And then obviously, just scrimming against other players. If you're kind of worried, like my team at Worlds was kind of weak to Altaria. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, you know what? If I'm going to use this team, I want to get practice with it. I want to make sure that if I do fight Altaria, I can beat it. And so, yeah, I think with PV Poke team building, um, and then scrimming with what you have uh, with trusted scrim partners. That's a good way to vet out what team you want to use. Yeah, I remember you giving a shout out to a couple people. I think like Doombug, um, Desynced. Um, yeah, those two were my main uh, yeah. scrim partners. Yeah, they're scrim partners. So I saw that Rubik's Master, you know, the second place finish of the finalists, mm -hmm. tweet out about how he only did like maybe like nine scrims or six scrims or something leading up to Worlds. Did Is that like how much did you actually scrim for that versus you just have so much experience already from GPL and from previous tournaments that you just felt pretty comfortable as long as you just got a little familiar with your team. Yeah, I mean, I did probably a few more scrims than him, but mm -hmm. honestly, probably not that many more. Um, what I think about scrims in general is, like, you, you don't want to scrim a ton, in my opinion. You want to mm -hmm. scrim enough to get used to your team, but at some point, like, especially if you're scrimming against the same person, you're just learning how to play against that person rather than learning how to play your team. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, if you have a lot of scrim partners, uh, definitely cycling through them a lot could uh, could work out. It's just kind of not how I prepare. I'm a lot more analytical. I like to go into PV poke, uh, make sure, like, look at all the worst case scenarios. Like, what's the worst team I could face or what's, like, mm -hmm. the worst mons I could face? And I just kind of think about what I'd do if I were to encounter them and, you know, basically save those kinds of problems for me when I'm on the stage, when I actually have to make those calls. Because a lot of that, like, you can prepare all you want, but when it comes down to those, like, gut decisions on stage, uh, that's really all that matters in the end. 
Yeah, yeah. We saw we saw you make some pretty hype ones too, uh, this past year in London or in Yokohama, but um, London as well. And so let's talk a little bit about season one too to finish that one off. But you were, uh, did you finish? What was it? Fifth place or sixth place? Overall? Uh, seventh. I was tied for seventh. seventh okay. Last year, but I think you were the last trainer from North America. Yeah, I was finishing North I America. I think Rise trainer. was like ninth or something, and I was right. Seventh. Right, right. Um, talk us about your first Worlds experience. What was that like in general, facing off against so many players from around the world in, in person? Honestly, last year I didn't really know what to expect. Um, you know, I didn't really think I'd even get my Worlds invite because I only had, like, after Indianapolis, I was like, you know, I don't think I'm ever going to place this high again. I thought fifth place was like my peak there. Um, but my family was like, you know what? No, you got to keep trying. Uh, so they helped me make my way to Columbus and stuff. And I ended up winning that and getting my invite to Worlds, which was kind of a surprise, honestly, because I back then I didn't even know if I was even that good at the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so putting myself out there really helped, um, like just figure that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then going into Worlds, you know, I've been watching every single tournament that uh, led up to that, so I knew a lot of the people I was going to be facing. I've seen them play, and I knew it was going to be really hard to do that good. Um, and honestly, at Worlds, I only went 3-2. I got a round one bye last year, so that's what got me to top eight. I okay. didn't do that great. I lost to Lurgan Rocket and Zardi, who both had, I think, spicier teams than me, and it just ended up kind of throwing me off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, that was good experience, I think, for this year to, like, you know, know when you're fighting battlers from around the world, you're going to have to expect different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that said, I mean, it was um, awesome. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. sorry. I was uh, going into this year's world. Uh, how I'm interested to know how you built your team in consideration to the Asian now, because I think that was like the most wild, um, considering PJCS, but also the hardest one to consider because you know there wasn't as much data as maybe the European and um, US tournaments. You know, I think that my main strategy going into Worlds was to just not fight the Japanese trainers, because I knew they'd be very hard. <laughs> uh, so, no, I mean, I, I made sure that, like, Ishikawa Boy, especially, like, his teams are always so wild, right? And he got second place at that uh, at the tournament he qualified in. Um, so I made sure I wasn't, like, super weak to any of the things that he brought, and I, I made sure my team, in general, uh, against, like, any sort of random spice pick I might see, would at least have like two mons that could handle them mm-hmm. um but my main consideration going into worlds with team building was at naic this year so not last year but at the 2023 naic i didn't do great i only got 65th place because i really disrespected charizard going in mm-hmm. um so losing at naic really made me rethink um, what kind of pokemon i wanted to bring and it made me realize that lantern really is a pokemon that's just kind of a must bring and so i i kind of built the rest of my team to help support Lantern. Yeah, we'll talk more about Lantern in a later part of this mm. interview as well. Um, I remember you said that you didn't really use Lantern much prior to this, yeah. prior to Worlds, but it turned out to work really well for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, more than your Swamper too. I, I listened to I your episode. I did not bring my the... Swamper to a single match at Worlds. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, in a way, you were also channel- channeling some L-Shade there. Yep. <laughs> <only five> <laughs> That's awesome. Would you say it was um, beneficial though in terms of like like genuinely yeah. bench pressure? Was you know yeah, it were definitely people had not bringing pressure. certain things? Okay. Yeah, the steel types in general, um, I don't remember fighting too many of those. I think 
also it baited a lot of people to bring Altaria, which was already pretty good into my team, but uh, it made my opponents pretty predictable with what they were going to do. So mm -hmm. my Swampert being there uh, definitely made it made an impact. So it's better than not having a Pokemon. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's definitely not a strategy I recommend to people. So. Um, <laughs> That's pretty awesome. And then so after that first season, you came into season number two, probably with high expectations, right? Because uh, you performed really well at World Championships. And I wouldn't say you performed poorly because you still made top cut. Besides NAIC, uh, you performed still made top cut. I performed kind of poorly at, uh, at SLC. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I think I kind of got in my head there. Like, I didn't know if I was good still. I kind of mm -hmm. felt, you know, I only went 3-2 at Worlds, but I got top eight. I won NAIC. There's probably a lot of eyes on me. A lot of people are watching. And Salt Lake kind of was viewed as this easier tournament, right? So there's just all these things in my mind. Like, you know, if you don't win this tournament, people are really going to, like, think that you're not that good. Um, and that really got to me in the moment. And I think uh, that combined with facing a Wigglytuff, which my team was actually pretty weak, too. Um, <laughs> yeah, more than that. Stuff. I love that. <laughs> it wasn't great. I did end up beating a Wigglytuff in the loser's bracket, though, after that. Uh -huh. So. Let's I mean, go. I barely made the day two um, at Salt Lake. I I was not very happy with that performance because I knew it was probably my easiest um, mm -hmm. chance at getting my invite last season. Right. Um, but yeah, I think I uh, I recovered from there for the most part for the middle half of the season. And then NAIC, I kind of... I disrespected Charizard. I didn't think North Americans knew how to use it. So. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I think everyone disrespected Charizard, right? Like, like mm -hmm. Ryzen... With Dodge, they barely had Charizard counters on their own teams. They just happened to have a Charizard, whereas you know, in House Star, mm -hmm. didn't have a single one, unfortunately, too. So, yeah, exactly. Um, I think, uh, yeah, those uh, Worlds was a very different story. I think people will stop disrespecting Charizard for that one, but, um, but yeah, it's still a very impressive run. I, I do remember specifically because Salt Lake City, you're using the I think you brought Shadow Wall Rain, even though it was nerfed, yep. right? And part of me was like, uh, I'll admit this too, right? I do apologize, uh, in retrospect, but at the time, I'm like. Man, like maybe Axon's just only good because he had a good team season one. Like he's a good player, but he had a good team, right? And the team's not as good. Uh, but every tournament after that, you kept proving me wrong too, and you were just playing incredible after that. I mean, um, I still brought uh, Walring to Arlington for some reason. So. <laughs> he did, and, and even then, you still got what, like top five in that, right? Yeah, I got fifth place there yeah, too. Yeah, fifth so. place. So. I, had, I beat Wadage there, uh, Bopper. Mm -hmm. Um, I lost to Bibalicious, but I also beat Jengles. So I beat a lot of decent players there at Arlington. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You beat Jengles in the Losers Finals, I believe. Yeah, that, that was my you... second time uh, stopping yeah. him from getting day two. I felt bad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, someone's got to keep the streak alive. So, um, yeah, and I remember you too, Wadaj. Actually, that Arlington tournament was super stacked. Looking it was. back on it, it was really stacked because I think it was under like the the cap originally and then like the week of it shot up to like over 100 players yeah um yeah. and i think like at least over 90 showed up so it was and looking at the bracket i was just like this is this is rough i mean you got what dodge accent jangles in like the same bracket and bbalicious too right was in the same yeah, got second yeah. place there so yeah yeah and he played incredible um but uh yeah and then of course you you went on your kind of uh pacific northwest tear which was Definitely impressive one. Second place at Vancouver and the first place in Portland. Uh, yeah, and I just ran back the same team. Uh, like, mm -hmm. and it's kind of a bad habit, I guess, that I have. Like, when I'm succeeding with a team, I kind of just keep on using it. Um, yeah. So at Vancouver, I got second place. Um, then I was like, you know, this team worked. The only reason I really lost to Dilap 
Uh, well, not the only reason, because he's obviously a great battler, but I was, like, super weak to Water Gun, Lantern, and Shadow Swampert, <laughs> yeah. and he had both of those. Mm-hmm. I was like, I-, I think I could have still beat him if I just played better. Yeah. And I just ran it back at Portland, and I beat Shady Equation, who was running a Water Gun Lantern as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, I knew the team was good, but I just, going into NAIC after that, because I still had, I was like, oh, this team works. I'm just going to like swap out my Ice type for Dugong over Ninetales, because I think Ninetales is going to be harder to use now with the Sand Slash buff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, then Charizard just picked up in use like really hard, and it just, it made me completely readjust what I was going to do for Worlds. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's good that you got that out of the way before Worlds, too. I know. Um, I, I'm so happy I lost uh, NAIC if it means I could win Worlds. So. Right, and I feel like mm-hmm. when you lost at NAIC, um, I mean, like it, it's like it's like people kind of forgot like how successful you were prior to that because you're like made Topka every single time, incredible run. Uh, and I think Wadaj was someone, Wadaj and like Rise were on people's forefront in terms of people to look out for her at Worlds. Yeah. Uh, with, with good reason, right? Because they were performing really well at the time. Mm-hmm. But looking back at it, I'm like, well, one bad tournament performance is nothing because that's like most people have bad tournament performance. Like Wadaj had bad tournament performances for the first like three fourths of the season, right? It was yeah. until the last, you know, qu- uh, quarter that he really picked up. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, I think I, I became a, a true believer when I saw. I remember so specifically, it was game four against you and Shady Equation at Portland. And you had like, I don't even remember the exact setup, but you had some of the, like the most in like hard RPS matchup in that game. And you somehow like, you, you I think you caught like a Thunderbolt somewhere, somewhere crazy. And you just yeah, came back from that one to force a game five. Oh, yeah. like a one turn move catch, right? The water yeah. gun lantern into my Registeel. Somehow I caught yes. the Thunderbolt, uh, like right at the end of the game to win it for me. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, that when I was watching that, I was like, it's like one of those moments where you know, like, everyone knows who the best player is in the tournament, and, like, you're, like, only, like, proving it further, right? Because even the best players will run into tough matchups, but the fact that you have to, like, come out of that and just not lose a single set that entire tournament was, was crazy to me, but. Yeah, in Portland, um, uh, it ended up being one of the, uh, most, uh, stacked tournaments, I'd almost say, especially yeah. knowing who was in the grand finals at worlds <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> so um yeah a little precursor to worlds you you and uh Rubik's master get uh not just one rematch but two rematches in uh world championships um do you mind sharing us a little bit about who you end up facing at yokohama because i think you start off with scaffold right if I, no you start off with emmy Wido that was off stream yes. and then scaffold right yep my first opponent was uh the senior world champion from last year emmy Weedle, who constantly destroys me in GBL. So I was kind of getting worried going into that match. Um, But I also kind of knew if I wanted to become the world champion, what better way to start than by taking one down? And so once I beat him, I kind of got that confidence boost that like, yo, maybe I actually can do this. That was probably one of my hardest matches of the tournament. So Mm -hmm. it just, I kind of carried that momentum going forward. And then, yeah, my next opponent was Scaffo, who... Uh, ended up doing the Dancing Rob run almost, where he lost early, but he had an insane lower bracket tear, where he almost made it um, to the grand finals. I think he was like fifth place after like a nine win streak or something. So, yeah, and he of course you're familiar I... with that one. Yeah, <laughs> he's, yeah. uh, he's he's rooting for the Europeans, and uh, it was their last hope. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. After that, I had Lyle Jeffs, who was actually an NAIC rematch. Um, he took me out day one at NAIC, so I, I did want to redeem myself there, and 
you know, I ended up 2-0-ing him, even though I think I probably should have lost game one uh, to him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'll take the wins that I get. <laughs> um, and then that was all of day one, actually. So I went 2-0-2-0-2-0 to get into day two, about as good as you really can do. And after that, it's like, you know that you still have a long road ahead of you, but you set yourself up as good as you possibly could have uh, to win the thing. Uh, well, not, I guess, win it tomorrow, but, like, get yourself into the grand finals tomorrow. And then, yeah, my first opponent of day two was, I think, Babo Husop, a mm-hmm. South Korean player who apparently no one really knew about going into the tournament. But he nearly beat me. He beat me uh, in my first game, and I had to reverse sweep him to um, stay in the tournament. His team was, like, so bad for mine. He had a Venusaur, and that just invalidated my water types pretty much instantly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he's an incredible battler. Um, then it was... Luminous, I believe, a Japanese battler who was on stream. We did that battle. Um, yeah, I had some bad leads, but I was able to flip them with my lantern safe swap. Uh, mm-hmm. Then it was Rubik's Master, who had such an insane team compared to mine. Like his was way more creative than what I brought, and you know he obviously was making it work. He had a a Deoxys Defense, a Shadow Quagsire, like all these things that I kind of didn't want to see, but I was able to just kind of play around the neutral game in game three make some good catches and stuff and calls at the end game to get mm-hmm. me into the winner's finals against none other than Wadage, who I think was one of the favorite players going into that tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that um that game three against Rubik's Master was just nuts because I remember watching yeah. that from backstage and Butters actually, he he was grabbing lunch or went to the bathroom or so he missed that game. So it was the next <laughs> morning going into the grand finals I was like, hey, look, like we're eating breakfast. It's like, hey, look, you got to watch that game three because it was crazy. And I think it starts off with, like, I think it starts off with a psychic debuff or something and then, like, a moonblast debuff. Like, there was, like, both of those happened. Yeah, in the and, lantern against uh, uh, Altaria in yeah. the lead, he debuffs me with moonblast, and I debuff him against Deoxys uh, with yeah. my Metacham. With the yeah, Metacham. Yeah. And Butters was like, wow, this game is crazy. I was like, no, 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 this is not even the, this is not even the crazy part. <laughs> like, the it gets even part. more wild. Yeah, the the knock, the Stone Edge catch on the Lantern and then the knockout, like, no sh- uh, shield call on the baits. Like, that was just, it was yeah. uh, it was wild. But, and um, so going into day three, yeah. like, sure, I've beat Rubik's Master three times, but they weren't close, or they weren't, uh, like, sweeps. They were so close mm-hmm. every single time. So I was like, you know, I still have quite a road ahead of me if I want to win it day three. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and your set against with Dodge was pretty nuts too. Like mm-hmm. that was that best of five. I I, I didn't even know who was going to win game five because I, I wasn't sure because he caught like a Psycheon's Umbreon. It just went mm-hmm. back and forth. Like that's when like you're like at least when I was watching, I wasn't even commenting that bad. But I was watching in the spectator area, and I'm looking up and watching, it, and I was like, this is like. It's no coincidence why you and him were in the winners' finals, right? Like it was very clear that there's like a clear skill gap between you two, and and obviously Rubik's Master and the rest of the competitors. Like it was no like the the stuff you were doing. It felt like you were playing a different game in my mind. Like it looked it looked like you were playing like Super Smash Brothers or something on like on the phone, right? Because it's just like the pacing was like just so different, and the swaps and everything. Like like the time switch timers are all misaligned constantly because of all the swap in and out. Um, but yeah, yeah, was, yeah. I mean, especially that game five, um, it came <laughs> yeah. down to me and him getting a simultaneous KO, basically. Like, if uh-huh. he, if I didn't get that, he would have been able to take out my Noctowl in the back. So it was down to, like, one HP wins every game. Yeah. It was such a 
Like, yeah. I don't know why. I had a feeling I'd have to fight him if I wanted to win Worlds, probably because obviously <laughs> he had such an insane um, run going up to that point. Uh-huh. And I think if I didn't beat Wadaj right then and there, he would have won Worlds and had like four huge tournament wins in a row. I don't uh-huh. know how, how anyone would have ever like contested that. He yeah, would have just been the best no player in the world, no doubt. Like, greatest of all time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So I knew I had to beat him there if I wanted to give anyone else a shot. Yeah, I remember you saying that on the stadium podcast too. Mm-hmm. Uh, the stadium cast where you were saying like, you know, he had so much hype going into it. And if you lost him in that winner's finals, even if you face him in the grand finals, like to beat him in two best of fives afterward is like such a gargantuan feat, right? Yeah. Um, but... But you pro you you slowed down the momentum, so he's he's got more to uh, fight for for sure. <laughs> I know I'm sure he's yeah. hungry a little bit, but a very impressive performance from him just leading up to that as well. Uh, and speaking of people being hard to beat in two best of fives, I was like, Rubik's Master has this work cut out for him because <laughs> not only was he not able to take you out in any sets prior, but he's got to do it twice. I thought that maybe he has a chance of resetting the bracket because, like you said, the games were close, especially on day one or day two in that winners uh, bracket. But also, I felt like he did have the team comp advantage. So oh, yeah. I was like, so like, you know, he he's he's got some momentum coming in, beating a bunch of other players too. Um, His team was exactly what I didn't want to see. Um, <laughs> yeah. That was probably the worst team I could have faced at Worlds, and I had to face it twice. So mm-hmm. I don't know how I came out of that. Um, <laughs> just yeah. a lot of neutral play and good uh, calls, I guess, won me those matches against him. And obviously, Did you do four. any prep? Oh, no, I actually didn't. Um, not going into day three, um, you know, just because, I don't know, I faced him before, I knew what to do against his team, and I did have an idea of what I'd change going into day three. Um, so I didn't really want to overthink it or, like, overstress, because at that point, right, like, you only have one more opponent, you know how to play against them, you just have to do it. So I... I kind of just had an idea, a game plan going into day three, and that's all I did. I didn't mm-hmm. do a lot of scrims or anything, because also, like, if you try to ask someone else to scrim someone else's team, um, they might not play it the same. They might play it completely differently and mess you up. Um, so I didn't really want to overthink it going into day three. I knew what I wanted to do, and I just knew I had to play well. Right, right. That makes sense. Um, yeah, I personally, I also saw photos the next morning that, that Sunday morning of people at the social and I was like, Oh, Axel was at the social. Maybe, maybe he's not, you know, well rested and stuff, but no, you, uh, you I, I was out. there for like an hour and I jumped out. Like <laughs> I was there just as a little cameo appearance at the start. Um, yeah. but no, I, I went to bed, a pretty good time that night. So I was well rested. I made sure that I didn't, um, you know, mess up my chances of winning worlds because that was, you know, I, I knew I still had quite a, a climb ahead of me if I wanted to become the world champion. His mm-hmm. team was such a good team against mine, and he's right. such a great battler, obviously. He's one of the best players, I think, at undercharging uh, moves, actually, in the world. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone else really can do it like he does. So I knew if I wanted to win, I really had to just buckle down uh, day three and make sure that I made the right calls. Right, right. Gotcha. Um, yeah, you definitely did, and it was probably the right call not to stay too late at the party like Anacor did. But he was hosting, so he had, he had different priorities, I think. Yeah. Um, Anacor, did you have any other questions you want to ask, ask him before we hop into 
thoughts coming into a game uh, or season three? Um, not really. Not not about um, you know, worlds or the season or anything like that. I think, okay. Uh, season three is a good uh, good start. Yeah. So I talked a little bit to you, Axon, after the tournament in Yokohama about your plans for the upcoming season. I think for you, you were like, you know, obviously being a repeat world champion would be a very, you know, high mark for sure. But outside of that, you know, what were some of your plans? I remember you mentioning that you might start attending some of the different ICs around. Unfortunately, we don't have OCIC, so yeah. reduces your opportunities a little bit, but uh, there's still LAIC and EUIC coming up. Is that still kind of in the works or do you have some other plans for season number three? Yeah, uh, OCIC was probably my uh, one that I really wanted to go to most. But obviously with that off the table, I'm either probably going to try to do LAIC or EUIC still. Um, but my first tournament of the season is actually going to be in Sacramento in middle of October, I believe. So I think you're going to be there, right, Caleb? You're going to... I am. I'm competing there, too. So okay. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know how what the best way to phrase it. If I'm lucky, I don't face you. But that also means I probably get knocked <laughs> out sooner. And uh, I don't know about facing you. It's, it's called being lucky either. So we'll just... We'll just see what we can what we can do there. Hey, grand finals. <laughs> we'll fight in the grand finals. <laughs> I would I would happily take that. I I have a I have a habit of taking second place in grand finals in California, but I, I'd be oh, that I'd, would suck I'd take now second. that you don't get the invites passed down, right? Yeah, yeah. You want to get right, that right? Because I guess you already have your invite for world. So, uh, theor- in the old system, your invite would have been passed down. But yeah. I think it's so we could talk about that too, right? And let's get your thoughts on that. What do you think about the new system? Because like you said, the invites aren't passed out anymore. We talked about some previous episodes too, but there's going to be championship points and there's no cascading invites, which in some ways for me, I kind of like because there's more to fight for in the grand finals. Because before it's just like, yeah, we both made it, right? Like like you going into Vancouver, yes, you didn't beat Zylap, but at least part of you is like, well, I at least qualify for Worlds, right? Like that's, yeah, I saw like, it that's, as a win just getting there, exactly getting into the grand finals. Yeah. I think you would have felt a little differently if you didn't get the qualification to Worlds getting second at Vancouver, right? So obviously it's a little different of a system this year. So that on top of the championship points, what are your kind of preliminary thoughts as we're going into the first regional next weekend? You know, as a player who took a a couple tournaments to really get um, his invite this last year, I think it would have been nice to kind of have that like uh, slow progress build up over the season rather than being like, you know, I didn't get first or second that means that tournament was basically meaningless, right? Mm-hmm. You're always working towards getting your invite now. Uh, the points do seem a little high to me, um, but, you know, you can do the local tournaments. Uh, you can do, I think internationals are actually kind of the best way to get your points just with how how many more points you get by competing there. Mm-hmm. Um, and also there's still that chance of just getting the automatic invite, and I love that they didn't remove that. The first mm-hmm. place player or the first and second internationals, they're always going to just get their invite to Worlds. And so it's definitely, I think, an improvement. Um, we'll have to see how many people actually end up qualifying through the point system. Mm-hmm. I know like people like a mind joke, he worked so hard to try to get his invite last year. He would have got it with the point system, but mm-hmm. unfortunately, you know, because it was just you have to get first or second or else you're just out yeah. of luck. Uh, a lot of players like that really kind of got um, just barely not getting an invite to Worlds. And I, mm-hmm. I think that for players like that, it's going to be a lot better. Right, right. Do you think locals are going to be something that you're going to te- particularly take part in, or do you I'm not feel the need? trying to get them set up around me. There actually aren't that many. Um, like, I'd have to drive, like, two hours to get to any Ooh. local. So, um, 
you know, I'm trying to get my local game store to, you know, start uh, hosting them. But I don't know. Uh, obviously, those locals, they are going to be important for people who need the points. Um, so it's going to be unfortunate for the players who don't have their invites if, you know, they don't have access to that local scene. I know a lot of places do and a lot of places don't. So that's kind of like location advantage where, you know, some players, they can get like half of their invite just by playing in local tournaments. Whereas other players, they're probably going to have to work and travel to, you know, maybe five or six regionals just to get their invite. So if, if these locals do pick up more and like there are a lot more options for people, I think that's going to make this new point system a lot easier for people to, um, to switch over to. Yeah. As someone that's qualified for world championships two years in a row on the old system, what what is kind of what do you think is a better format? The new systems coming in or the last year like system? Because I think Anacor brought this up in a previous episode. He said, you know, is this like this is like kind of pay to win, right? Because obviously you have to travel to a lot, but at a certain point, if you go to enough tournaments, you could and you're playing like decently well, you can get yourself a world's invite, right? No matter what. Um, but the question is, is that is that the competitive format we kind of want? Or I guess at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because even if you're paying for your invite because you go to everywhere, you, you probably still won't perform that well at Worlds unless you like make a sudden change in like a month, right? Yeah, I I think that there's definitely an aspect to it now where, you know, if you are, you know, wealthy enough and like have enough free time to travel to like every tournament and every international, you basically have your invite on lock already. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to worry about, you know, placing first or second. You can just kind of get top eight, maybe top 16. Uh, I was looking at it actually at internationals. You get 100 points for winning like your first match if there's 256 people. Oh, so <laughs> like if you just go to the internationals <laughs> and do that three times, that's 300 points. Um, mm. So yeah, there's definitely a pay to win aspect now. Um, but as someone who's never come in like third place and been that uh, like one win off of the world's invite, I can't imagine how bad it feels to just have nothing to show for doing that. If I were to have like got third place, um, I know like players like Trent, he's had that happen twice to him, where he's been one win off of the world's invite, and after that tournament, he had like no more progress towards an invite than he did before. I think in general for competitors that are already like planning on going to multiple tournaments it is going to be an improvement over the mm-hmm. winner takes all kind of thing we had yeah and there's something to be said about like for example LAIC last year and uh i guess you could say NAIC and EUIC the first year you know these tournaments had under 128 players and uh arguably Sometimes the competition is just as stacked as an, a random regional that has over one, like one twenty-eight players, right? But at international, the third and fourth place get the invite. Like Dancing Rob yeah. got his invite UIC last year, uh, through the third place finish, right? The first one yeah. in in uh, Germany, and he ended up winning it all. So you could make the argument that someone that could that place third place in the tournament can still have the skill level to win it all. Um, mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I'm sure there'll be some players that are maybe a little bit below skill level compared to a lot of the other world's competitors because they just traveled to a bunch and did a bunch of locals. But at the end of the day, like, if you're going to work that hard, we'll see what you got at Hawaii, I guess. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that's yeah. the... Yeah, that's Good the luck if you're polar, facing right? action round one. <laughs> yeah. <Yep. laughs> Would you say that um, you prefer... Um, so, like, 
there, you know, there was some like speculation before they, I guess, like confirmed things that potentially we'd be doing Swiss. Um, so obviously that's not the case, but do you think it's something that you'd like to see in the future where tournaments are Swiss instead of double elimination? I think that could be an interesting option. Um, like logistically, I could see why it would be a problem for them to try to do. Um, they already have a problem when they have like all these like phones playing at once, just like in one of the four groups. And Swiss would kind of require everyone to be playing at the same time. So I think that's why they're hesitant on doing it. They don't have the bandwidth and stuff set up. Um, mm -hmm. But like just like as a competitor, if they were to switch to that, it definitely would be an improvement because losing round one doesn't mean that you're going to have to do twice as many battles to win the tournament. It just means that, you know, sure, you're you're down a bit, but if you still win the next, um, I don't know how many it would be, like five or six matches maybe, depending on the size of the tournament, obviously it would change. Uh, you'd still have as good a shot as someone who may have won their first round. So it, I think it's a lot more forgiving if you uh, end up losing early on in the tournament if you go to Swiss. Um, and it definitely... I could see it working out as long as they could get the actual infrastructure to support it. But I think that's what's holding us back. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, speaking of different formats, too, I don't know if this is going to be a thing or not for this upcoming season. By the time the episode released, maybe that is the thing. But if you have the option to have open team sheets uh, where like, you reveal all the movesets of your, po your, your team as well as your opponent's team when you go into battle, would you prefer that or would you prefer to keep some of that hidden until like it's first played out? Unfortunately, I think open team sheets aren't going to happen, but I think they should. Um, mm. Going on stream, being the first person on stream day one, you're at a huge disadvantage. Your opponents are all going to see your movesets. You're not going to know what they use. I've had that multiple times where I've been on stream before my opponent. They could see what I'm doing. I don't know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. um, so open team sheets, in my opinion, would actually just like benefit just the overall like fairness of play. Uh, obviously, it takes away from any sort of surprise factor, but if you're trying to win off a of surprise factor, you know you might get through day one, but day two, everyone's probably going to know about it anyway. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I think that overall, open team sheets would actually be a good thing for Pokemon Go just to you know, minimize the disadvantage of getting on stream early. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, especially in a best of three, like you could definitely cheese someone off a win with a surprise factor game one, and then game two you might RPS them or just have like a you know yeah. a good matchup. Yeah. So um, I've definitely been. I, I don't know. I don't think I've lost because of that, but I definitely lost like a game one because of that. I'm like thought they're building up to like a dynamic punch meta champ, and it's like a power punch, right? And I'm oh sure yeah, yeah. Power punch is just an awful feeling. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I mean, they have open team sheets for VGC, and. I, I think I don't know about TCG how that runs. I mean, that's a whole different thing. It's like a deck list, but um, I personally agree with that on that one. What do you think, Anavor? You agree? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think you sound. You, you seem like the kind of person that would cheese someone with a cheese moveset. But... <laughs> hey, hey, what? <laughs> what, what like, no, no. I think I think <laughs> you made a good point about like, um, because okay. To be honest. It is nice to, um, you know, have the uh, multiple options and potentially, you know, be using something like a bit unique. But I think you make a good point where if you're trying to win from cheesing someone, then, you know, how much of a 
a useful win is it right because that will only really get you so far um and i think also you know considering this recent update there's a lot of mons that have gotten you know extra moves some of them may be useless um some of them may be only you know giving you like a, a an extra small dynamic um so again with you know with mons getting way more moves in their move pool uh, it may be sort of like a necessary balancing factor, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, okay, well, I think that's uh, we'll, we'll wait and see. By the time this episode releases, it's possible that we have this info. Um, but we will be heading into Pittsburgh for um, right after this episode, so it'll be it'll be uh, pretty cool to see how all of that shakes out. Um, so you mentioned Sacramento would be your first tournament. Uh, did you mention specifically which IC you're probably targeting or you're going to go for both? I feel like NAIC is probably easy to head towards, but EUIC and LAIC specifically. Yeah, I don't know yet. Um, mm-hmm. I just know I kind of want to do one of them. So when yeah. it gets closer, I'll probably make the decision there. But okay. NAIC, you know, now that it's not in Columbus, I was kind of thinking about skipping it this year, but now that oh, it's okay. not in Columbus, yeah. uh, you know, I I might want to go there again. New Orleans isn't that cool or not that bad of a place, right? Yeah, I I've I've never been, but I've wanted to go for a while. Mm-hmm. Even though I grew up in Georgia, so it's like pretty close by, but never had a chance. I heard it's a pretty fun place to be. Um, and of course, you, maybe you should maybe you should head on down too. The the three we could record another podcast with three of us in person. <laughs> yeah, a little little live thing. Who knows? Who knows? You know, I've never <laughs> actually been to the U.S. in it, so that would be a. Oh, you haven't been to the U.S. at all. Yeah. Nah, nah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know if New Orleans is the we'll best, like, see. first city to visit. But, uh, it's, <laughs> don't they usually uh, it have get that, wild like, there sometimes. Thing. Just... Mardi Gras? Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, but that's that's usually um that's a, usually a little bit earlier in the year. Uh, okay, um, okay. But yeah, there's uh there's definitely Mardi Gras and there's Mardi Gras beads you could get, which um we won't go into detail on how you get it, but it, it's a little explicit <laughs> content that you have to partake. Okay. In. Okay. So this, that's well, just in general gist of what, what the yeah, place is right. like. Yeah, so it's gonna be it's gonna be a big uh, it's gonna be a big one. So that'll be cool. Um, I think we have a quiz. You have a quiz for us, Anacore. We and have a quiz. I hinted at it. You want to break down what the quiz is, the general gist, or or did um? Right. It was my idea, so... but I had you handle it because uh, I'm the I'm yeah. the best quiz taker here. <laughs> <laughs> so it's for you, for you, bro um <laughs> it's all about um so it's all about your opponent's uh accent obviously. oh okay. uh, we don't need to hear more about caleb's opponents um um and yeah so it's just uh generally questions about you your opponents obviously you know you'd expect that you know yourself better but some of these things are uh, a while ago you know so yeah you know, maybe wait so maybe how many questions are there in total so in total, there are five questions. Five questions. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. so I think maybe, a... yeah, we had, uh, I had uh, our friend Palmer stuff that works over at Dracovis come up with some questions that pertain to you in some ways. So they're questions about people that you have faced. So let's say, for example, it, there might be a question about, I don't know what the questions are, but there might be a question about Rubik's Master and who he faced in Portland. But, you know, the question would be about anyone that you face <laughs> 
in any of your tournament runs, right? In the past. Yeah. Um, so it, we'll do a little friendly competition, me versus you. Um, I think Anacor will ask this question. We'll both just have a response ready and then we'll just reveal the response and see uh, who could get the best on these uh, five in a row. Me, you know, oh, spect- commentating it. some of these tournaments <laughs> and spectating it. I might have some info here, but uh, curious to see your your own knowledge of some of your opponents. Man, when I'm competing, I kind of just zone out of all that stuff. Let's see if I know. <laughs> yeah, let's see how it goes. All right, I'm ready for the first one, Agor. Let's hear it. Okay, so the first one is how many of Itzaxon's seven unique opponents at Worlds this year's Worlds also qualified for last year's Worlds? Oh, that's a good one. I'm really glad I asked Axon earlier who we faced. Do you count Oklahoma. the seniors division? Yes. Okay. We'll count the seniors division. Hmm. This is interesting. Okay, I think I think I know. All right, you want to go first? I have my I have my n- number in mind too. Yeah, I think right. two. I'm guessing three. Ooh, interesting. Okay, well, Axon, who are the two that you? Weedle and Wadage. Okay, so okay. those are the two I had, and then the third one was going to be. I'm just like doing. I feel like I remember this for some reason. Husab was Husab the third? If there was three. No. There, okay, so there was three, but it wasn't Baba Huso. <laughs> was it Chiodo? <laughs> yeah. Nah, well, you didn't face Chiodo. Oh, Luminous, Luminous. It was Luminous, 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 I guess. Yeah, it was Luminous. That's what ah. I was unsure about there. I feel like yeah. I still get the point for that because I got the you number do. right. I, but... You said three. You just uh, didn't know which three. I just didn't know which three. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll, yeah we'll give you okay. the point for that. Yeah. Maybe we'll... Half it later. There's uh, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if it seems oh, relevant man. for a time. You know. <laughs> um, okay. Next question. So, which of these Pokemon did Axon not face at this year's Worlds? Yeah. Oh, okay. Shadow Swampert, Noctowl, Venusaur, Chestnut, or Azumarill? Uh, whoa. Okay. Um, I feel like this is like a trick question. Like, I feel like one I really want to guess, but all right, I have. Uh, I know what I'm gonna say. Do you? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll I'll go ahead on this one because I feel like you're okay. more likely to have this one. Man, that chestnut seems so tempting, but I feel like <laughs> I feel like someone had it there. I'm gonna guess. This sounds. This sounds like I've, I'm going to be feeling really bad if it's not this because it's like obvious it shouldn't be this. But I'm going to guess Shadow Swampert. Mm. What's your guess? I was going to guess Noctowl. Ooh. What? That's you didn't face a single Noctowl. I don't know. Uh, I don't remember anyone using <laughs> Shadow Swampert. Oh, dude. <laughs> Wait, what, what was the answer, Anacor? It was Shadow Swampert. Oh, dude, what? what? Why didn't anyone use that? Who had that? Well, no one well I guess that, no right? one, right? Because yeah, yeah, that was the... or no. Wait, who had Noctowl? 
let me check who had knocked out. I swear, everyone had alt against me. That's what I was thinking. Was it... I'm also wondering who had the flipping chestnut. It's Bobo, right? Oh, Lyle. Lyle had chestnut. Oh, wow. oh yeah, uh, I knew chess. Okay, I'm uh, I'm over two. Um, I'm out of this tournament. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So I knew that Luminous had a non-shadow swamper, so that's why I knew there's a chance. And I I didn't remember. I knew uh, Rubik's had a Quagsire, and yeah, we don't I don't remember what Wadash had, but so. I just I don't remember. I didn't want remember Swamper. Yeah, Wadash had, had Azu and Lantern, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and Rubik's had Azu too. And what had it maybe been like either Scaffo or Bobo would have had yeah, the Noctowl? Oh, well, what about Emmy Weedle? Did he have anything? It was yeah, Scaffo well, who had the Noctowl. Scaffo, okay, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah. Scaffo coming back from the grave and getting it here. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Bobo also had the Noctowl as well. So. Scaffo and Bobo, okay. <laughs> yeah. Wait, right. I knew that. I lost game one to Bobo because of the Noctowl. <laughs> I feel pretty good. I don't usually take wins on the accent, but I'll take it. It might not be in the hey, you're, you're up 2-0. Tournament format, yeah. yeah Reverse sweet time. <laughs> I'll, I'll try. I'll try. Okay, so next question. Yeah. Rubik's Master changed two Pokemon on his team going from Portland to Worlds. Which two Pokemon were they and what, like, what was the change? Oh, so we had to name two Pokemon that he had originally and then two Pokemon that he had on the yeah. Team. You had to get all four Pokemon correct, essentially, for this one to count. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, how should we distribute the points in terms of like? Oh, nothing. We should do all nothing. Yeah. All nothing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So right. you have to name all four. Okay. Um. I think I got it. You think you have it? <laughs> that was quick, dude. I'm telling you, this is like the one good thing I'm I'm good at. Accent. <laughs> this okay, is not like man. I'm challenge. <laughs> Like, if I could write this out and, like, have 20 minutes on this, I might get it. <laughs> Dude, um, so I know at, uh, Portland, he had his Canto Ninetales, um, and, let's see, I, he didn't bring, uh, Deoxys to, to Portland, right? I don't think so. I know he had Alt, he had, uh, I think he had Azu. He had Umbreon. Oh, and then his Quagsire. That's gotta. That's gotta be new. Um. So Deoxys and Quagsire were new. Um. Canto Ninetales. Oh, he had a, a Reggie, I think, back then. Did he? Did he have that Reggie? Hmm. <laughs> that's the question. Um. I don't remember fighting a Reggie. I think it might be it might be stupid, but I'm gonna say Canto Ninetales and Registeel were swapped out for Deoxys and Quagsire. Okay, so I'm gonna agree oh, with Oh wait, no, wait, wait, wait. Uh no, I said I said that wrong, right? Did I? Yeah, because yeah, so I, I had like had... two Pokemon from his team here. Yeah, oh, you said that... Registeel and Canto Ninetales for the first one, right? Portland one? He had Registeel here at Worlds. So, okay, so on his team at Worlds this year, he had Quagsire and Deoxys that were new. And at Portland, I think he probably had, like, Canto, Ninetales, and, I don't know, maybe G-Fisk as a Steel-type? I don't remember if he had G-Fisk. 
You but, want to lock that in, or? Yeah, I guess that's what I'm locking in. Okay. I had three of the similar ones. So Quagsire and Shadow Quagsire and Deoxys Defense, I think for sure are new for Worlds. Shadow Cancel Ninetales for sure for Portland. And I don't remember this one specifically, but based off a of process of elimination, instead of Deoxys Defense, you probably had a meta champ for Portland. That's what I'm going to go with. Oh, right. I could have guessed that. That would have been smart. <laughs> not entirely sure <laughs> on that one, but that's what I'm going to go with. How, how did I do? Well, actually, so both of you got three of the same correct. Yeah. But it was that last Pokemon that you missed out, and it was actually Trevenant. Wait, you didn't have a Metacham at all? In, uh, in Portland? Well, let's, uh, let's have a look. This might be a faulty question, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, Trevenant meta, that's true, actually. I didn't People think have about been that. known not to run Metacham sometimes. Yeah, I guess especially before the Trevenant nerf, that was actually a very feasible strategy. He had no Trevenant? Or he had no Metacham? Uh, okay, so... I won't shoot the messenger, but and a cord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just uh, <laughs> I'll uh, I'll be taking the grievances back to Polly. So um, <laughs> he had no medicham. Oh. Wow. Okay, yeah, so we three and three. So the, I guess um, we both lost. Yeah. yeah. All right. No one gets a point on that one then. Okay, okay. so there's still an opportunity. Ah. Yeah. Still, the comeback uh, is still still alive. Yeah. Still, still two points uh, yeah, available. I imagine it was such a safe guess, but yeah, Trevenant makes a lot of sense yeah. too. Pre, pre, I forgot uh, that was a Pokemon in the game. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, been yeah. gone for so long. <laughs> Anacorn might have to use him all day for one of the GBL days. <laughs> hey, hey. I was... We have a bet going on for that one. Well, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see about that one. All right. Um, Another question. Okay. What? I feel like this one's an easy one. I'm not going to lie. But what spicy Pokemon did Emmy Weedle bring to Stuttgart this season? Mm. What? So it's just like the spiciest... Honestly. Spicy water Pokemon. Bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. No, 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 that's fine. I just... Uh, I, I wasn't sure like, how you define Well, yeah, yeah. Great. I mean... It, it, yeah. I guess like... The there's there's going to be one, one that stands on out, right? You know? yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's got to be Mantine, right? Yeah, I'm going Mantine as well. Yeah, that was an easy one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you you even said it was a water time. I was like, you didn't have to say all that. Like, I think we yeah. all knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, no, hey, message. Yeah. But I was gonna go with Mantine um, anyway. So. Yeah, I think the um, you know what? Actually, I think if if the question was about his EUIC team, I wouldn't. That would have been. I, I know that one. A Yeah. Too. This is yeah, not fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say this quiz is fair. I'm just saying uh, this is the best chance I get to taking a W off of that. <laughs> yeah, because right, EYC, got... he just pretty much just ran his world team, which was quite... yeah, oh, okay. yeah. He said a record was bad too. One, yeah. <laughs> but, um, okay, right, so question. final question. Yeah. Wait, is there even any? There, okay, there's no op opportunity for redemption, but... But it could be a 3-2 instead of there's... a 3-1, you know? Yeah, exactly, yeah. you know, it yeah. could be a... <laughs> yeah. kind of nice. Okay, so after we saw the meta shift following Vancouver um, with the finals matchup, you versus Dilap, um, the same two teams performed, uh, matched up again in the finals of another regional later that month. Um, what was the regional and who were the finalists? I'm ready. <laughs> oh, man. 
I know who was using my team. Oh man, I don't know which regional, and I don't know who beat him. Bro, I thought huh. this was going to be an easy question as well. <laughs> yeah, Caleb's, Caleb's yeah. probably got this on lock. I know Auburn got second place with the team. Um, who could beat Auburn? Uh, was it... Um, and was that Richie? I don't know. Caleb knows, and he's just judging me right now. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I, I, I worked that event, too. So yeah, I okay. It's yeah, a, little so it's a, little, a little unfair. Yeah. Uh, I don't even remember what tournaments we had last season. Because that was like, there were like three tournaments back-to-back -back there. Like, mm -hmm. Knoxville, Fort Wayne. Um, let's see, was it... Dude, I'm going to make such a fool out of myself here. Um, just because they're, they're what I remember, um, I guess I'll say it was at Knoxville. I'll say Auburn got second, and maybe Richie got first? I don't know. I don't know. That's pretty good. It's, uh, you're correct, except the regional was Charlotte. Charlotte, oh, yeah, okay. That was one right yeah. there. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that's pretty good, though. I mean, I mean, yeah. You know, stick to playing. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah wait, not, I feel like that question is also <laughs> a little bit. It's technically not someone that accent faced, right? Because you didn't face Auburn or Richie, but that's true. Yeah, it was just a team that it was. That, it was, a, it was, it was used, related to you, though. Yeah, in terms of the team, yeah, team stuff. Yeah, uh, I did watch that tournament, though. I should have known that. Um, yeah, you know, I didn't realize that there would be a test on this later. I should have been taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, getting Richie was pretty much too, because Richie came all the way from Mexico, so it wasn't like yeah, a yeah. player we see in NA. So. That was a that was a really good uh, answer there. Well, yeah. You know, I I at least tied with you on two questions, right? So yeah, yeah. <laughs> and one of them we both got wrong. So. Yeah. The yeah. I, I actually the one I was surprised I got right was the Shadow Swamper one. Uh, the one I was surprised I got yeah. wrong was that one too, because yeah. I should have known. Yeah. You like, know, because I, I like... forget what my opponent leads half the time. So <laughs> that's fair. How am I supposed yeah. to remember this stuff from? couple weeks ago that's that's too much yeah i don't know if you guys do this but there's multiple times where i'm like trying to like farm down a pokemon like their last pokemon i'm like oh they still got a shield and i went i barely win the game i look and i'm like wait they didn't have a shield at all and i had like yeah. like one and a half charge was ready but like i just they probably thought i was just trolling or something but part of me was like i was so out of it i thought they had a shield the whole time yeah but yeah well thank you for the Thank you for the hosting the quiz, Anacore, and and for the quiz questions, Polly. That was a, that was a, that was a fun. Shows one. what I know about my opponents. I'm so <laughs> sorry, everyone I've ever yeah. fought. That's okay. <laughs> when you win worlds again next year, just be ready to be back on the podcast, and and you'll know yeah, what to say. Yeah, yeah. Do your homework, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um. But okay, we'll talk a little about this because we're kind of leading into. We have like a little tea segment, uh, where we talk about different stuff going on. Uh usually on X or Twitter, as you call it these days. Um, but you actually had an interesting tweet earlier uh, this week after the moveset balance came up. And, you know, last week when me and Eric were recording, we didn't know what the movesets were specifically. But they dropped, and then the energy values dropped. Because when they initially dropped the update, it was just like, oh, SkyTaf, SkyTaf's going to cost more energy, Aerialist is going to be less energy, but we didn't know exactly the values. And then we got all the values. Um, and you actually quote tweeted people talking about the different energy values for the different moves, fast moves and charge moves. And you said specifically, I don't want to sound ungrateful, 
But man, these changes aren't changing much. Aero Ace and Astonish are still bad. Spark arguably got buffed. Dig is literally a Scorching Sands clone without debuff chance. If they want to shake things up, they need to do a lot more. Um, so yeah, so I actually I agree with you a lot on your take on that. But kind of what are both of your kind of preliminary reactions to the moveset updates? Um, I guess once we got the energy values, because I think everyone was a little bit like looking forward to it once we saw like the general changes before we saw exactly like how how these moves changed. Yeah. Um... For me, at least, I think the only changes that matter in the slightest... Um, obviously, I think Lantern is probably a little worse now with the way Spark is, but it's still incredibly viable. And then the Sky Attack nerf is the other thing that actually changed anything. Um, and then, well, I guess Gligar is like the third thing. There's probably three things. Gligar being good now because of Dig and Aerial Ace. Um, but, you know, if they actually... like. After, at Worlds, right, they were kind of hyping up that this is the biggest moveset update they've ever done. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess if you, like, count each individual change and move that they've added to each Pokemon, sure, maybe. But, like, 95% of that's kind of just filler. Like, you're not going to see uh, Magical Leaf Gardevoir winning any regionals anytime soon, <laughs> yeah. I'd hope. Um, or winning and... any, like, GBL battles at that. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of changes like that. Um, there's a lot of changes that kind of just, like, you wonder, what was the point? Why did you do this? Why did you make Astonish increase by one energy? Like, what was the point in the slightest of doing that? Um, even if it was a Snarl clone, Astonish wouldn't even be that good, in my opinion, because mm -hmm. Shadow Claw is still a thing. And Shadow Claw is just a fantastic move. Mm -hmm. um, and they made Dig the same as Scorching Sands, which is a move they just added in. I don't know why they made it 80 damage. Like, I would have loved to see if it was 85 damage and 50 energy. Give Diggersby, like, a little bit of a choice. Um, do you want that little bit of extra damage, or do you want the debuff chance? Like, that would have been kind of cool, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, and they just weren't bold with their changes. They were really safe, I think, with a lot of them. Um, they they barely changed Psychic. Uh, they barely changed... Um, well, they they kind of side-graded Lantern. Um and that's, like, all they really did with, like, the main meta Pokemon. Oh, it's Earthquake as well. Um, mm -hmm. Stunfisk is slightly worse now. Uh, we'll probably see other Steel types. But, yeah, I, I was kind of expecting more, if I'm going to be honest. I thought that they'd be a little more bold. Maybe a 35 energy Aerial Ace. Let's see the world burn. Give Flying Types a Weather Ball clone. <laughs> Yo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this guy's won worlds, and now yeah. he just doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I've just, like... I was kind of making some teams just for fun for, like, what would I bring to Pittsburgh? And, like, five out of six are, like, Pokemon I would bring. Maybe even six out of six are just Pokemon I would have brought last season. Um, like, yeah. Lickitung's probably a little safer now, now that Noctowl's probably going to be a little less common. Um, but honestly, you could just run what you were running last season, and you'd still be in at least a decent spot. Um, and that's kind of, that's a little disappointing to me. Yeah, but we'll see what the players at Pittsburgh do if they're a little more creative than me. If they're gonna try out some of these uh, new new picks, some Trailblaze Pokemon, some Triple Axle Pokemon, mm -hmm. maybe, uh, maybe Diggersby with Scorching Sand. I think that's like the only viable Pokemon with a new move that we're gonna see potentially make it far in in the tournament. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, there's there's a lot to consider with the update, but I think most of it is just kind of like either they're setting something up for later. Or it's just never going to be useful, like adding another move on to Claydol, which, you know, is hilarious. <laughs> but I don't think that's what's going to shift him over to being the most viable Pokemon in the yeah. game. 
Right. No, I think at this at this point you kind of have to give uh, a move to Clado every update. Um, you know, just as it's tradition. <laughs> True. Um, but you know, what? I think um, at that point. Yeah, yeah, literally, bro. Just don't touch it. No. But um, I think I think it's interesting. So, um, you know, with uh, a lot of people towards the end of last season were talking about um, the game and accessibility issues, and I think it's something that we discussed on like one or one or two episodes back about how the viewer numbers for Pokemon Go were so high, but um, you know, getting people into the game might be slightly difficult. So. Obviously, um, you know, the accessibility bar is already at a certain level. You know, if you shake up the meta every single time um, and, you know, rotate Pokemon out where, you know, all of a sudden stuff you built this season are not necessarily as viable next season, then that kind of increases the the bar of accessibility a lot higher, you know? Um, so I'm wondering, like, you know, looking at the looking at the meta would you prefer a complete shake-up or do you actually think that maybe a slow more consistent change is better because i think one thing is okay well the amount of meaningful changes might be quite low but something like you know removing noctow out of the meta and you know perhaps replacing it with like mandibuzz or, or gligar um opens things up a bit more because now you have um pokemon which may have been hard checked by noctowl now acting you know a bit more soft into uh, you know into those flying matchups or something along those lines so maybe like more grass types coming in so. yeah that's definitely an interesting point um like if they did do a big shake up every uh three months i think that would have been uh a bit much for players who are especially trying to just catch up um, I think going into a new season, though, it's completely fine to just throw a whole bunch of stuff against the mm-hmm. wall, uh, see a bigger shakeup. You know, the the rest of the changes throughout the season, yeah, just have them be minor tweaks. Or like, if there's a problematic Pokemon, uh, let's let's uh, tone it down a bit, or let's add some new Pokemon into the game itself. Maybe they're planning on doing that because we are having um, the Gen 9 Pokemon, they're going to be showing up. Yeah. Maybe they're going to add some cool new Pokemon, like Annihilate. We might be seeing that at some point here. Um, and there's a lot of other Gen 9 Pokemon. Tinkaton, that could be there to shake up. So maybe they're just trying to spread it out across the season. Um, but yeah, I think if they did like a, a huge update every, uh, like every three months, that would be a bit much. But once a year, you know, right after Worlds, I think that would be a time where you could you could definitely see them doing that and i think new players would understand why they would change things like that um but yeah accessibility uh is definitely a big problem and i think that there's much bigger problems to accessibility than the moveset updates i think just the lack of the spawns of the viable pokemon like if you want a metacham right now how are you going to grind for it there's there's no way to like hunt for specific pokemon there's no way to get like a lot of rare XL candies if you don't have like the stockpile already. Um, how are you going to get those things? Or TMs even? TMs are just a, a global resource that every Pokemon needs. And they are such a slow resource to to obtain. And just the mechanics for TMing are so counterintuitive where you're just like TMing back and forth the same moves over and over again. Um, there's, there's a lot of problems. And stats. Stats is like the, the last one, right? My world's team 
had some crazy uh, stats on it. My Pokemon weren't all rank ones. Um, if you're not catching as much as I am or as much as a lot of people are, um, especially if you're a newer player, how are you going to have the Pokemon built that you want to build? You're just going to be like, well, I just caught a Metacham. It's not great, but it's all I can really use. It's probably going to lose to other Metachams and stuff. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like there's a lot of individual uh, accessibility issues that I think would be a lot more important than just, you know, them updating move sets and changing who's like super viable like once a year per se. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I uh, I agree with you. I mean, after after nerfing Metacham, it moved all the way to number one in the ranking. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really, uh, yeah, <laughs> really uh, shows how much of a nerf some of these Pokemon got. Yeah, um, I know a lot cool. of people were debating recently on uh, Twitter about one specific Pokemon, that being Spark Lantern. And yep. you actually even made a poll on you know you said all right let's sell this. Uh, Lantern was buffed or nerf were the only two options. Yeah. Um, and out of 866 votes, it looked like 55.5% said it got buffed. I personally voted nerf. I don't know if you <laughs> voted or not, Anacor, what are your thoughts on this? I but... didn't vote. I'd say nerf. Well, I mean, yeah, I'd say nerf in it. Because, again, it's not completely efficient anymore. Obviously, it plays a bit differently. But, like, I think that was a good point about last season. Like, it was just energy-wise, it was completely efficient so it was like such a consistent pokemon in um you know uh, most of his matchups so now there's a bit more variability and i think um that's definitely beneficial for uh you know for the matter just in general but... yeah what what do you yeah, think personally, i do think it was nerfed slightly mm -hmm. um but i think that they honestly it's kind of a smart thing they did because one of the most oppressive things about Lantern was its speed. Um, you know, just being able to outpace things like Sableye and um, you know, anything that paces like 665 uh, pacing, it just outpaced them because it had a, an 8 energy move and a uh, 8 energy fast attack and a 40 energy move. Um, by changing that, it's like you're still doing what Lantern does for the matchups that you should be winning. But against things like Shadow Swampert, uh, where like just a few sparks could like really easily flip that matchup because you just get to two surfs before they'd get to the hydro cannons or the earthquakes depending on how you want to play out that matchup like a lot of those matchups that should be counters to lantern have uh kind of gone back in favor of the things that you think should beat it so still very usable um but not quite as overpowered as it was yeah i think i did read somewhere on twitter that if you land a surf against a shadow swamper, uh, and they don't land a like if you shield one earthquake or something, then you can like spark down or something like that in the two shields. I don't know, something weird like that. It was very it was very specific, but also at the same time, like you could just beat Lantern going straight Hydrokin with Swamper yep. in the two shields. So um, that matchup was a little weird already if you're if you're throwing Earthquake and gets shielded. But I don't know. They uh I guess we'll wait and see how how that one ages. Um, yep. I agree with you. I do yep. think it's a nerf. But a lot of people on Twitter seem pretty split on it. It seems like most of them agree that it's a buff. Um, I think my uh, my poll was a little disingenuous there. I should have probably put a third option 
because people <laughs> only say buff or nerf, right? That's true, yeah. I'd um, like it. You you force them. You gotta force them to commit because there's a lot yeah, of people sitting on the fence and probably voting side grade. <laughs> exactly. So I didn't want to give people that choice, and so I think a lot of people, like especially people who um, might not have been going to play Pokemon tournaments, they just see like bigger number now, so better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, true, true. It's not like the worst take to have. I mean, there's definitely. Like, you can see the damage increase now. It's pretty sizable uh, when yeah. you're getting farm downs. But yeah, um, just with how you actually play Lantern now, I think it definitely uh, has got that slight uh, speed decrease that's really going to impact it in some of the more neutral matchups. Yeah. I thought they were going to gut Spark because they gave a bunch of things that use Spark Volt Switch. So I was yeah, like, then, well, okay, this is the perfect opportunity to, like, yeah. isolate Lantern. But... I mean, the the problem is still Isolate on Lantern, but just in a different way now. So it's mm. uh, we're going to have to wait and see how that goes. Um, yeah. But we do have the first regional of the entire, not just North America, but the entire Play Pokemon season coming up for season number mm. three uh, happening in Pittsburgh. And by the time this episode releases, it'll be starting a couple of days from now. So I have a question for you two. Um, some One Pokemon that wasn't, change in the uh, updates but just wasn't played in last season was carping because it was introduced so late uh if we were to each make a prediction how many carping do you do you predict will make it into top eight at pittsburgh what are your guesses you're going with one yeah i'm gonna write these i'm thinking a pretty low number as well to be honest yeah yeah i might i might say like two at most Oh, man, I was going to go with two. Yeah. You know what? Because you went with two, I'm going to go with three then. I, okay, three okay. seems so <laughs> unlikely. I'm just like yeah. shooting myself in the foot. There's no, there's nothing on the line for this one, Aaron Carr. I'm just saying three to be. You know uh, what? No, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to split two. I'm, I'm not going to change my. Okay, Actually, okay, no. Okay. I'll, I'll, go three. I'll go three. I'll go three. That's fine. Because I, I get nothing if we're both right, right? So. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I, I Personally, I think like, you know, like you were saying a bit earlier, Axon, yeah, like, you know, if you were to make a team for this new regional, you'd probably be using a lot of the stuff that you were using last season. And mm-hmm. I think this is true. And I think a lot of those things also are like all kind of carbon counters naturally. Um, mm-hmm. So it just does seem like you'd be, you know, if you go into the regional with a carbon, you know, not saying it'll be bad, but you probably will be facing teams where they have like four counters on there, you know, yeah, just by accident. Yeah. So It's like Bastion. That's why it's so hard to run it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's two main targets kind of got nerfed right, with Noctowl and Altari as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, true, true. It's yeah. just got all the mud ball, mud boys, all the grass types that are probably going to be more common because the flyers got nerfed. Yeah. Uh, and I Lygar, mean, Reggie still didn't get touched. Yeah, Reggie so, didn't get touched. Yeah. Um, so good. There's just so yeah. many things that just kind of beat it. Like you're just kind of hoping to RPS a Sableye or a, a Charizard or something, right? It's I don't know. I, I don't think it's going to be as uh, good as it ranks on pv poke i think it's more of a gbl pokemon to like try to core break some people maybe that are disrespecting it more than it is going to be like a a new play pokemon stable yeah okay well Well, i've got a question for you two Mm -hmm. um what new pokemon do you think would make it um or be like relatively prevalent in um in the top eight so uh, by new i mean like something that we didn't really see last season I'm going with Mana Buzz. I think Mana Buzz would be the best flyer, actually. Which might be okay. a hot take. Because okay. it beats all the other flyers, outside of maybe Altaria, but no one's going to run Altaria anymore, right? 
Yeah, I mean, they shouldn't. Uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it's so slow now. It's like Medicham can just kind of two shield through it now. Mm-hmm. So, um, I guess I'll go with the other flyer. Uh, I think I don't know how many people actually have a Shadow Gligar ready to go. I know I don't, and I'm kind of disappointed. Um, yeah. But I think Gligar is pretty flexible as long as your opponent doesn't RPS you with an Ice type. Um, mm-hmm. And so I guess I'll, I'll just go with a I'll go with Shadow Gligar specifically. I think it's better. Uh, it turns a lot of the three shots into two shots. Um, okay. Because Gligar is a bulky Pokemon, right? It's um, it's a Pokemon that is kind of like around Metacham, I guess, level bulk. Shadow mm-hmm. Gligar makes it so Aerial Ace actually does some damage, and Dig can potentially like threaten the Steel types a lot quicker. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll go with that. All right. What do you think, Gatacor? Um, I feel like Gligar is the the obvious option. Uh, it seems like the most talked about uh, mon so far. But again, because you picked it, yeah, let me uh, <laughs> let me let me pick something else. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm not gonna lie, it's kind of hard. I, I don't even remember what else like seemed. Uh, I think Diggersby could be a good option. Viable. Diggersby, yeah, I think I think that's an interesting one to be honest. Because um, again, like you've got uh, first of all, being able to use Hyper Beam and the Ground Move is quite interesting, mm-hmm. um, and being able to stack the Ground Move as well. Uh, I'd I'd say Diggersby, yeah, it's got a lot of good um, good matchups. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. Yeah, we're gonna wait to see. I mean, personally, I'm kind of, I kind of wish I was competing at the first one because there's a lot like of surprise factor you could potentially bring. But like Axon said, it might still be like five out of the six Pokemon might all still be the same as before. So maybe yeah. maybe there's not too much of a difference. But we're gonna I think wait what will be really interesting though. Yeah, what will be interesting is, uh, you know, like because this season is, um, there's not really many events that are happening at the same time. Um, just watching the meta development week by week, because again, I think this meta is like relatively open, where things could shift on a weekly basis depending mm-hmm. on what people have seen the previous week. So, I think that I think that'll be kind of exciting. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, but that's all the questions I have for us today. Did you have any other questions, Anacor, for Axon? Ah, uh, nah, nah. Honestly, yeah, it was. I was mainly interested in your take on the on the man and um i think uh we got a little insight into that yeah yep. well i know there's a chance that i might face accent at sacramento but i'm hoping mm-hmm. accent goes to uic so he can beat up on anacor as well on stream that'd be, that'd be a fun one <laughs> bro this guy's this guy's just praying for my downfall you know he's like oh i don't want to replace casters too often yeah and then uh, you, know. <laughs> you gotta i gotta put you in the right place you know as we, as yeah, we have yeah, this new yeah. co-host um yeah, but Thank you for taking the time to chat with us, Axon. It was it was a lot of fun and just to hear your insight and hopefully a lot of our listeners also can benefit from that, especially those that haven't gone to show six themselves and they're like, I don't know if I could do it, but hey, Axon just went straight into it. He got fifth place at Indianapolis, so anything is possible. I mean, I guess you know what, last thing. Yeah. Um what is your uh what is your like key piece of advice for, you know, those who are thinking of starting the play Pokemon circuit this season? I was so close to like trying to wimp out of doing Indianapolis at the start. It's not even funny. Um, you know, I was getting really nervous about 
actually putting myself out there and like see if I was actually good. I think that the best thing you can do is just to commit and just to try to um, you know see how it goes. Um, you know, put yourself out there. Uh, uh, like the worst thing you can do is lose. I guess like that is kind of bad. But <laughs> <laughs> it's happened to everyone, right? Uh, one bad tournament also doesn't define a battler. Um, you know, I've had a bad tournament or two and. You know, I still won worlds. So, yeah. um, you know, you just got to realize that in, in the end of the day, it's just a, a fun game that you're playing. If you think you're good, if you think that you can potentially make it at these regionals, you know, please try. Uh, we would love to see the community grow further and further, keep getting uh, tournaments that are bigger and bigger, maybe even break 256 players, go past that eventually, right? Mm -hmm. uh, these other, the other games that uh, are alongside Pokemon Go, like the video game in the TCG. You're constantly seeing them get up to like a thousand players or more. I want to see us get there. I want to see more players yeah. step into the light and just join us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a lot of players yeah. that you might not know them, but after one tournament, everyone knows their name, right? Because they yeah. had their breakout performance. And that could be anyone, including those that listen. So uh, yeah, mm -hmm. really great words of advice. I also saw that after Worlds, you started streaming a lot more recently too. So speaking of streams and everything, what uh, where can people find you if they want to get more content from you and get more of your takes, or maybe even participate in a few polls here or there? Yeah, um, on Twitter, I'm and on Twitch, I'm both. It's Axon. Uh, so Twitch.tv/itsaxon or just at itsaxon on Twitter. Uh, so if you want to follow me there to stay up to date on whatever weird thoughts I'm thinking, I'd appreciate it. Awesome. Awesome. I love how you do one poll and then all of a sudden Caleb's just like, yeah, yeah, this is this is the poll guy. <laughs> that, that's what I do. I am the poll guy. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. First of many. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Uh, but cool, awesome. And if you want to find Axon on the battlefield, head over down to Sacramento or just climb the leaderboard in GBL, and you'll eventually probably face him at times. But um, yeah. Yeah, I only get that pleasure once in a while because I'm, I'm much bad about, much worse at climbing the leaderboard than Axis is. Uh, but anyway, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, this has been a good one and glad to have our world champion on this episode. Maybe we'll have you back on in the future, maybe after a big international win or world's win. I, I wouldn't count you out, especially after this season's performance. Uh, so yeah, best of luck in your you. future tournaments. I'll see you at Sacramento and hopefully you'll see Anacor at UIC. But uh, this is it for yeah. Battlecats. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, anyway, hope you have a good one. Uh, and if you're not at Pittsburgh, you should tune into Pittsburgh stream and see uh, how how right we were about these takes on Lantern and, and Carping in the top eight. Mm -hmm. But yeah, have a good one. All right. Peace out. Yeah.